destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well. All right. That's basically it for this week's podcast. No, nothing happened this week. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Yep. That's it. Really, I, I don't know how we're going to fill time. I haven't been playing anything other than I'm still trucking along in 13 Sentinels, and I'm 30% through that thing. Uh, how how many hours has that translated into? I don't know, because it continues counting game time even when it's paused. And I've had oh, it like good. paused and idled for quite a bit, so I don't know. I did that with a little game called Quest 64 over the weekend uh, all right retro corner here we go (laughs) no i've not beaten quest 64 uh yet but no i left the console on while i went to work i'll probably get into this more when i review the game likely next month but uh the way that experience works in that game i kind of left a rubber band on the controller for about eight hours but it so of course it ends up reading all that time on the clock so it's saying that i put like 13 hours into the game when i know i haven't actually sat down and played it for that long but i know it's not the same because it's not like it's counting time when it's paused although i suspect it's doing that too because i mean it's an n64 game uh and also not coded well so i doubt that they made that distinction maybe i don't but, know uh 13 so more time in that game than i actually put it it's like I don't even really want to say anything about plot-wise because even though any spoilers that I would have would be from like a third through it, every development in that is just complete nonsense and it's still worth experiencing even though it technically wouldn't be like an in-game thing. You were telling me there was some, like, MILF that shows up, and then you see the MILF in the future, but then also, like, her younger version is in the future, too, for some reason. And then you just sent me one that was a girl with a gun, like a a small child. That's actually her. That's the small version of the MILF. Uh, Except also maybe not. I think it might not be. I think the best way to enjoy this game is through the lens of somebody whose friend is actually playing the game. So, like, I just, you keep sending me weird stuff about it. I don't know what to make of 13 Sentinels, but all of it seems great, and yet I have no desire to sit down and actually play it. There's one guy, uh, Ogata, who's very cool. He's the delinquent Boncho type. Um, and at one point you mentioned Miss Morimura to him, and he's like, oh, the nurse with the huge knockers? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> got it. Got it in one. Um, but yes, that the this reminds girl... me of the exploding boobs and police knots. <laughs> sure. I'll never touch those bazongas again. But the the girl with gun is Chihiro, or at least looks like Chihiro. I don't know. That's from a place I have not been yet. Um, and I suspect that might be an android or something. There is like it's like okay, this character. Um, there's like there's 
he's in the past He's also in the future But the future version seems to be a different version of him uh, Because yeah, it's like past. Yeah It's like uh, 200 years in the future And he's working on a colony And there's another character there And then the other one is also the daughter Of a character from the present Who also appears in the future But looks different and then there's another character There are like apparently two versions of her running around One's probably an android And another character has his like Consciousness implanted into a robot There's a lot of stuff going on What is 13 Sentinels? I don't know I mean do you want to know like what type of game it is? What is 13 Sentinels? Is the question I asked How do you explain Tim Allen? That's basically the same question Yeah More or less I... God So okay The the girl So little girl based on Milf ladies in the future But she might be an android You got some character he's like fine No that was in the present in the well, He's in the oh, present and present? also the future That, okay, that so did she's show in the present. That screenshot was She's a milf in the present But then yes. also her child version is in the present But the child version is not in the future Yes, it's also in the future but she's still and in the past. In the future. And then the VHS tape exists in all timelines. Yes, but the past, uh, the past version of the small girl version, the past I think, version is has the a VHS actual. Tape. The gun is in the past, but it's also in the future. Yeah. Well, you use the gun to shoot these androids. They're like T eight hundred looking things that shamble around. Uh, but also, you can just shoot people sentence? with it. I think you should. Okay. I don't know if you'll have the patience to <laughs> stick with it though, but Larry, I beat System Shock. That's a good so, point, but uh, that's also like you're uh, actually doing things instead of just reading. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah. The, the I don't know. I'm damn problem... near done with Quest sixty four as well, so my tolerance for certain kinds of games is uh, pretty good. My main problem with 13 Sentinels is that the battles are super easy I have it on the hardest difficulty mm. setting and have had zero issues I, Nobody has come close to dying yet uh, And I get S ranks on every mission It's incredibly easy The main thing is that there's no reason to mess with most of the skills um, Just plop down sentry guns everywhere and use interceptors And then when you run out of EP to do that Charge more. That's it. That's all you have to do. Well, so this is a like a turn-based RPG when it gets into uh, like actual fights. No, it's or... it's real time. It's like ATB basically. Okay. All right. That sounds all right. Yeah, it's all how, right. How does it? How does it weigh though? The quantity of story versus oh. the quantity of actual gameplay. Oh. Is it like predominantly just story? Well, let that's me tell what you the, the sense that I'm getting. Yes, that I, I have spent far less time in the battles than in the like. Remember, it's split into three okay. things. Remembrance is the story segments. Uh, destruction is the battle. Okay, or solid remembrance. Yeah, uh, and then an analysis. I think is the third one. That's basically just like database of stuff. Um, but I have spent far less time in the battles, and I think I have those like sixty percent done. Really? So you're 30% yeah. done through the game, but the battles is like a different counter, and it's saying that's 60% done? Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, well, whenever how... I can unlock more battles, I just do all of those in a batch, and then it'll eventually be like, uh, all right, you need to finish some certain story before you can continue here. But, but you could pace those battles out between yeah. the other 
stuff to kind of okay yeah you could um so another thing with the battles is they have a mechanic in here it seems like it's sort of meant to make you not do that um mm. because when the characters get in the sentinels it messes their brains up uh it's very stressful on their brains and so they can get brain overload i gotta tell you hearing about this game is giving me brain overload yeah me too it's a uh, lot to take in but they can get brain overload, which is basically if they, once they've been in two battles, they have to sort of take one battle out. Except the thing is, what? you can just like, you can get around this, and you get a score multiplier for each consecutive battle you do without recovering everybody. I have never recovered anybody. Ever. <laughs> and so my score multiplier is at like... sounds like me playing Choplifter, man. My score multiplier is at like 20... Or something It's just like I have no reason to Recover anybody because I always have Plenty of people active so I don't know So how long is like An average battle in that game Like you start one roughly how long does it take From oh. the start of the battle to actually ending it and getting Back to the story A few minutes maybe Okay because that's also Like I, I mentioned playing Quest sixty four, which well, also you you, know, you don't also like a type of RPG. You don't end it and go back to the story. It's a separate menu. Oh, okay. Well, the reason I bring that up is I'm also concurrently playing Ogre Battle sixty four, where like a battle in that game, albeit it's vastly different the way that a battle in that game works versus Thirteen Sentinels, like that takes forty five minutes to an hour. Great. And so. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, if I go play a different RPG at this point, I want one that doesn't take, like, it's not that much of a time commitment just to get through something and then, like, go about the rest of my day. Oh, yeah. And the same way with the story segments. Like, you can just... Like, it will boot you back out to the menu pretty often. Like, you basically go down a path, okay. and then it will be like, all right, here's back to the protagonist selection screen. And then you can go right back... Other... You can go right back in and take another path if you want, but... So that was yeah. going to be my other question: Is when you're they steep you in the story, how long you are staying there? Because I've it it sounds like when it gets to the story segments, they're very much like visual novel style. And yep. I've tried to play a few visual novel games on the recommendation of like another friend who makes visual novel games. It's not for me, but also, also me. part of the I've reason tried it's not to for get me you is... to play them, but you will not play the uh, Zero Escape series because they involve math. Oh, no, definitely no. Kind that's, of barely do. But... It's already asking enough of me to read. Yeah. Also, you won't play Danganronpa because I don't know. Uh, Patrick Klepek liked that game a whole lot, so there was a long period of time where I just assumed it was very bad because Patrick liked it. I mean, that's probably a good assumption to make, but in this yeah. case, he was actually right. Yeah. Well, you know. Broken clocks and all that. Yeah. But no, the visual novel segments, you can get in and out probably 15 minutes, I would say most segments are. They don't get much longer than that. Okay. That's not so bad. I mean, not to totally knock visual novels. Like, a lot of the ones that I was being put up to try are also just not, not very good. Oh yeah, but I mean, like I played Snatcher. And I love Snatcher a whole lot. I played Police Knots. I love that a whole lot. And while those games have some more like adventure game elements to them, there is still very much like long sections where you're just going through a lot of dialogue and, and story. And so it's not necessarily 
you know, it's not a huge issue for me if the story is actually something that interests me. Yeah, well, but, I also think this game is way too long. Um, to its credit, it continues I... to keep pulling twists and stuff. So at yeah. least it's not just like a slog, but at the same time, it's like, boy, I feel like it should be ending now. Yes, so that's also why I asked that question, as I know that you've been putting in a lot of time into that game, and it still feels like progress has been glacial. Like, again, you mentioned you're 30% of the way through. I feel like you've been talking about that game for a month now. Mm, I know it's no. not been that long, but it feels that way. Well, I didn't play it much last week, because I felt like crap pretty much all week. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's... I, I don't think progress has been glacial Like if it didn't have That percentage marker right there On the main menu Then I maybe would not feel that way uh, Because it does keep feeling Like things are happening and there are constant Reveals every time uh, There's some and characters the, the Who seem like 1%. Yeah, there, there are some characters Who seem more irrelevant Than others like I'm not really sure Exactly what the deal is with Megami Yagashiki her whole plot seems disconnected from everything else so far, and hers is also pretty repetitive, which is kind of annoying. It's just like, hey, mm. the talking cat told you to shoot this person because they're a witch, and then she goes and does it, and then she does it again and again, and it kind of just keeps doing that. Need you to kill. 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 Yep, that's what the cat says. Thirteen Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Check it out. Sixty dollars. What would you rate it on a scale of thirteen Sentinels? I don't know. I'm not done yet. Stop trying to make well, me rate games I haven't played through. <laughs> it's not like ratings matter on this podcast. Just rate the damn game. It's fine. We're thirteen minutes in. That means the thirteen Sentinels oh. time is over. So on hey. to the next segment. News. That worked out great. Is Hideki Naganuma a pedophile? That's the question that's on the tip of everyone's tongue this week, apparently. So what? It became the top trending thing on Twitter. Uh, Hideki, the guy who does the music in Jet Grind Radio. I know who Hideki Naganuma is. I don't know what you're oh, talking okay. about, though. I linked you the tweet. Did you? I showed it to you. I talked to you. Yes. He had, he had put something out that was just like his typical shtick of, I'm looking for a wife on Twitter. I'm very lonely and also extremely horny. Uh, and then he he was like, I've been talking to this woman, but it turns out she's a teenager. Well, what am I going to do? And so everyone kind of interpreted this as Hideki wants to bang a teenager. And then he kind of kept doubling down on the joke over the span of like two days. Uh, like offhand mentioning that he had been watching Charlie Chaplin movies and that apparently the, <laughs> the thing was this reference to, to that whole mess. Which, so no, right. you, you did not send me the original tweet. You sent me... That yeah, thing about Charlie Chaplin. No, I sent you the original. Nope, tweet you too. did not. I swear to God, I swear to God, I did. Nope, you mentioned something it's... about him being in hot water and I, not actually what it was. I know that I sent you the original tweet. Nope. I'm 100 percent positive of that I did. Okay, trying well, to gaslight me on this. Whatever. I went uh, and looked at his Twitter and saw him saying things like, "I refuse to explain," and that was basically it. I'm trying to find this, but I gotta scroll up through all these fucking Dunkachino videos. Well, too bad. <laughs> this is it all doesn't... our private Discord server is. It's just Dunkachino. It doesn't matter. 
Go on. What about Naganuma? It matters to me. Uh, th- Stop giving me more so, things to edit out. <laughs> so he had tweeted this thing out. There are a lot of people who are very upset with him who think he is actually endorsing pedophilia or or, or something. The pedophilia, as Donald Trump yeah, says. He... <laughs> I don't think I've heard him say that. Hideki Naganuma is very against a pedophilia. Uh, Why is Donald Trump Italian in your impression of him? That's what he says. That's how he says it. I'll have to send you the clip. It it was um, in that town hall meeting. Savannah Guthrie was trying to get him to denounce QAnon, and he's like, I don't know what it's about. I don't know. You do know. I don't. I don't know. Right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. And then... <laughs> Why haven't I heard about this? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, he, he says it exactly like... This impression is so bad. He says... that. That's how he's saying it, though. He sounds super <laughs> weird in the whole thing, and... Then yeah, he says it like a, an Italian man. He says it, a pedophilia. <laughs> Let me just tell you what I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia, and I agree with that. Anyway, should I watch that town hall? Uh, well, you should see that clip. I'll send it to you later. I didn't know okay. you had missed this. No, I've not seen like anything from that town hall. I, th- there was one thing I saw about like whether or not he had like tested after being discharged from the hospital for the coronavirus that's like i think the only clip uh i don't know it was something where she was like you're not someone's crazy uncle on twitter even though like technically he is yeah i mean it's everyone's crazy uncle. uncle yeah yeah but yeah that was basically anyway, the, the uh, main clip that i saw from that that i enjoyed quite a bit it's the most tim heidecker he's ever been So, yeah, Hideki tweeted this thing out. There's been a lot of people getting very upset. He lost over a thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, And like I said, he kind of kept doubling down on it. The thing that kind of bugged me is not necessarily the tweet because it's more people going like, there's no joke here, he's serious. And I don't know how you follow him for any length of time and don't get that he pretty much just shitposts exclusively. Yeah, the guy with the Peter Griffin avatar who just keeps talking about being a funky uncle. Uh, and horny yeah and just wanting to meet some ladies like that's his bit and it's it's very apparent too that when he finds a bit he likes he just kind of sticks with it indefinitely yeah because it works also english isn't his first language that too so like there's definitely a joke there it's just an ill-conceived joke and i don't think it's done any favors through the language barrier at all yeah but he's not being serious like come on (laughs) No, I mean, this is a but guy it, who has to ask people what they mean when they say he's based, so... Yes, yeah. And the based uncle of Funky Beats yeah. is pretty much who he is. But, yeah, but I don't know, know. I, I, just kind of... Funny moments. I just kind of watched that whole thing unfold because I know that he just kind of meant well and just tried to make a joke that was funny to him, and now just everyone is trying to drag him into the street. Yeah, uh, like every single thing he tweets out now just has people going like, "Yo, what's up with the pedophile shit?" It's like, come on, dude, like that's not who Hideki is. Just fucking lay off. They'll get bored. He's with just it a funky eventually. uncle who wants to find love. Right. He's correct that the right response, the best COA course of action, is just ignore yeah. them. 
ignore the shitty replies, yeah. as he puts it, and make fun of American kids, I think was the other thing that he kept putting out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he, uh, earlier this morning, he did finally just tweet out a very sincere apology for it, which, like, I, I, good on him, I guess, but yeah. I, I do think people are being kind of unreasonable about it. I, I think that there are just a lot of people who either they don't really know who he is, and so they saw that one tweet, and that that's their exposure to him, and so, of course, they would interpret it that way but then there's also a lot of people who are just dipshits like the thousand people who followed him and saw that and still don't get that maybe hideki is joking and like literally every single thing he writes on the internet yeah like come on i mean it's not like he's making new music for anything uh there's that game that jack ryan radio thing what? that they're putting out uh, yeah that's not real well not in 2020 because it's an unlucky year yeah Bomb Rush Cyberfunk? That's that's what it's called? Yeah, but yeah, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, that's the name of the game. Okay. Um I actually don't know the that's top the of my name head what the name of, the of that game, game is. Calling yeah, all that is that is roughly what the name of the game is. I remember that much. But uh yeah, he's doing the music for that, so he is currently employed. I know, I was making a joke, which you did not understand. Okay. You're just like these freaks nope. on Twitter. I've, uh, you know, I've not been following you for any real length of time, so I don't understand when you're making a pass at humor, uh, and when you're being sincere. He really said it like an Italian guy? Like a pedophilia! Next news item. Yeah, link me that. Um, science has determined that Sinister is the scariest movie ever made, Larry. What? That's right. We finally have the cold hard science to tell us what is the most scary movie ever made. What's uh, the study measured? Who knows? <laughs> okay. I don't think anyone watched it, uh, except for the freaks that they put in the study. So the way the study Wait, was it, conducted hold on. was is that the one with Patrick uh -huh. Wilson? I think so. Or is that? God, they're all the he same finds, thing like, he, he finds like a tape in the attic And it's just like there's some murders that went on In the house that he lives in now And then like I don't know they start going crazy Watching the tapes or something like that I think his kid that, wants to kill That's called The Ring It's Sure there's so many horror movies that are just like Other horror movies Like It's it's one of those ones that came out I want to say like after Paranormal Activity too, But it's sure. not done entirely as like found footage That's the thing like um, all of those are indistinguishable To me Yeah, I can't tell it's the difference a... between them And then there are like a ton of sequels and spinoffs For all of them yeah. Annabelle is a spinoff yeah. of some The Nun The Conjuring Is, is that okay is that the one with Patrick Wilson That's the one with the scary nun yeah. Maybe I think that might be it. That might be what I'm thinking know, of. Oh man. I mean, they do all, like you said, they kind of blend together for me as well, especially because I've not really watched modern horror movies all that much because they're either. really not good. Uh, but it is definitely one of those I found scary footage inside my attic kind of thing. Like, oh no, horrible stuff happened in this place I lived long ago. It's haunted here. Anyway, I'm not going to leave this house. I paid a lot of money. I paid my market? money God. I'm not going to move out of the house Because I paid my That's money right. That's right uh, So they conducted the study by getting 50 people of different ages And they watched over 100 hours Of scary movies And they measured their heart rate 
And mm. apparently Sinister was the one that got their heart rates to raise the most, and therefore it is the most scariest movie uh, ever made, at least out of the 100 hours that people were made to watch, which uh, notably could not possibly include every horror movie ever made. Yes. But science is still determined nonetheless that Sinister, if you really want to get scared, is the scariest of all time. Uh, so... I'm not believing in science anymore. The mask I, is coming off. It's I all bullshit. I freaking love science. Uh, yeah, you're going to become a hollow earth theorist now, right? That's exactly. Look, everything is expanding underground. I need you to. I need to tell you about it. Well, there's life underground. There's life underground. Yeah, yeah that's right. Boingo, boingo taught He's... us that. There's life underground. Anyway, that's uh. That stood out to me earlier in the week because, God, what a ridiculous study, first of all. And, dude, Sinister is the no Come on. What would be, like, your scariest horror movie? What's the spookiest thing you've ever seen? Oh. I don't know. The thing is, I don't watch horror movies because I don't really like them. Uh, at least, like, actual scary ones. I like me some Evil Mine's... Dead, too. Uh... Like oh, horror Evil comedies right? And like yeah. also I like horror movies that are just like Not scary <laughs> They're just like kind of weird uh, Leprechaun in the Hood is probably My scariest one because I was worried Watching it was making me like That I was a racist for doing that I mean Ice-T's in it So it has his seal of approval Oh well then Yeah it's probably definitely Not racist then Yeah Ice-T would never work with a racist no. Cut yeah. to pictures of him hanging out with Richard Belzer. I should. I Richard Belzer is probably not racist. I don't know. He looks like one though. I guess I would say. <laughs> looks like Rico Kasich. <laughs> now, I mean, not like in the past. Yeah. I I when I was a kid. Child's Play is what really freaked me out But I think that was also like the first horror movie That I ever saw like any footage from Yeah And so you know Living Dolls scared the shit out of me uh, This isn't a long line of stories I don't know whether or not I've told on the podcast But my mom uh, knew that I was afraid of Child's Play And she came up with this really good prank And as a kid I hated her for it But as an adult I kind of appreciate Like the ingenuity uh, She bought me a dummy once for Christmas that she must have found for very cheap and then she would just kind of move the dummy around whenever I wasn't there so I would find it in different locations yeah like and then on one the shelf. night yeah one night she made a sound in the hallway and just had the dummy sitting in the middle of this dark hallway and I woke up and saw it and it scared the fucking shit <laughs> out of me and that is when she like pulled the curtain back and was like oh no 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 I'm sorry it was all a joke that's pretty good Damn mom Actually I would say like as a kid I was scared of gremlins Um Like obviously I later should... not really an issue But yeah Like that, actually, that's actually probably a it friend, And he was petrified Of it and was like He couldn't sleep at night The night after watching it and was like He cried to his mom and I found this out because His mom called my mom up and yelled at her <laughs> Uh, because she was letting me watch 
spooky movies like Gremlins. But the funny thing was, I was like probably seven, eight years old when I watched it. And I thought Gremlins was a hoot. Uh, I, I definitely thought it was scary at the time. Uh, it did give me nightmares, actually. But it it was not... If I had watched Gremlins 2, I think, first, it probably would not have had that effect. Um, but like oh, sure. the, fir- the first one has spooky stuff in it, like the the bit where uh, the one's hiding in the Christmas tree that's playing. Like actually, for that reason, I still find "Do You Hear What I Hear" pretty creepy, even though it's not supposed to be. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, and like of course the classic bit where it like bursts out of the cupboard is a all time jump scare moment. Oh yeah, throw uh, that gremlin in the microwave. Yeah. Watch so yeah. Pop. Yeah, there was there was stuff like that that spooked me as a kid. Even though now it's just a good time. Uh, yeah, I mean, and even like just a few years later. Yeah, when he's melted. Melting. Yeah, yeah, in a really horrifying way. Like yeah. that is a pretty creepy. I mean, like that's you know, famously, Gremlins is one of the reasons that the MPA had to institute a PG thirteen rating. It was like that in Poltergeist and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Okay. Is that the heart I... ripping thing? I can never actually get the, the the sequence of those correct. Like the names are all jumbled up and assigned to the wrong movies in my brain, and what? I think it's because I think it's because I saw those movies completely out of order when I was a kid. Raiders of the Lost Ark is about the Ark of the Covenant. Temple of Doom is where they go to a temple. I mean, <laughs> I doom. mean more like I don't know what order they came out, other than the one where Sean Connery is the last one. I do know that because it's last crusade but like the other two i get flipped around all the time and it again well, i watched them is, like completely out of order as a kid like i think i saw last crusade first well temple of doom is actually a prequel it takes place before raiders of the lost ark yeah well that's part of the problem then i guess yeah dan Aykroyd's there at the beginning for some reason i remember that i watched all these recently too and i think i still watched them out of order actually so i'm pretty sure i watched that one first which, I, hey, I mean, chronological order, I guess it makes sense, but... It's like that weird order people watch Star Wars movies in. Yeah, you watch uh, four, and then number one, and then you keep alternating like that. It's the ultimate way to enjoy the series. I thought it was supposed to be like four, five, and then the yeah. prequels, and then six? Yes, that's actually the thing that I heard as well, which is a terrible way to watch star wars anything that involves incorporating the prequel trilogy is a pretty terrible way to watch star wars i think the idea is that after the vader reveal you would go back to like see the origin of darth vader and all of that and then but here's my problem with that is you're coming off of something as amazing as empire strikes back to the fucking phantom menace Oh, and there could not be like more of a tonal whiplash between those two things, just let alone the gulf in quality between the two of them. Well, even if you win the normal order, you're still going right to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it's not a win either way. No. I mean, it's kind of like watching Leprechaun in the Hood and then going back and watching the first Leprechaun movie. They're totally different. They're on two different planets from each other. It's not even comparable. It's like watching Bride of Chucky and then going back to watch First Child's Play. <laughs> was it Bride of Chucky that had Red Man in it? Or was I that think seed that's Seed. Okay. I think. I never finished Seed of Chucky because I snuck in. Uh, I had turned 18 by that point. And I'd snuck in my friend who was 16, and an usher kicked him out. And then me being a cool guy, 
I decided that I wasn't going to sit there and finish the movie, so <laughs> I left with him. So I only saw about half the seat of Chucky. Uh, have you watched any of the newer Chucky's? No. I really don't want to see the one with Mark Hamill. It kind of it looks awful. No, to me. no, and not, also not as those. much as I like Mark Hamill, they should not have replaced. Um... Oh, what's his name? Why am I blanking on it? No, I'm not talking about the reboot. I'm talking about okay. the newer ones from the guy that made the older I've, ones. I've also not seen those either. Like I know there's one that takes place in like an insane asylum, and then at the end of the movie, yeah. the kid from the first one shows yeah. up again. Like I saw that bit. That bit was good. That was great. But like the stuff in the actual asylum, I I don't know. Okay. I haven't really seen much of it to Don Mancini. Guy I was trying to think of, the director, writer. Yeah. Then they were going to make a series. There was supposed to be that series on sci fi. Yep. I don't know if that's happening. That's the place you would put a child to play a series if you were going to do it, would be sci fi. <laughs> well the thing is like that's that is the I... level of quality that's appropriate for it. I would be wary of it, um, except for how good Happy was. Of course, that also got canceled. Oh, sure. So, yeah, yeah. Who knows? No, I I've seen the first three Child's Plays, and I've seen Seed of Chucky. I think I've seen Bride of Chucky, but just not all of it. Similar to Seed of Chucky, I think that I've only like seen so much of that movie. Uh, but I should go back and watch those too, because like the bits that I've seen of Seed of Chucky and Bride of Chucky are really good. Like I, I like them just pushing fully into horror comedy. I think that's where Child's Play should exist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a year after its announcement, Sci-Fi greenlit a straight series. Mancini set to direct the first episode, also with the pilot. Uh, filming was set to commence on July sixth and wrap on November thirteenth. No news since then. So. Oh, great. Who knows? Hey. Oh yeah, Brad Dourif is coming back to voice him in this one too. So. Oh good. Yeah. Hey, speaking of movies. What? Larry, Sonic the Hedgehog is on track to be the highest grossing superhero movie of the year. Finally, something beats MCU garbage. Get it out of here. We got Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, disclaimer, not a superhero. Uh, but like comicbooks.com would like you to think so because they need a headline. Nothing's going on with movies right now, especially comic book movies. I kind of also, want to just talk about this for a second. Is one of the worst websites in existence, and I yes. hate them. Yeah, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about this less because it's you know notable as oh the Sonic the Hedgehog movie it made a lot of money, uh, and more of like man the state of movies is fucked. Oh yeah, in in a way that I find kind of fascinating, and that makes me a little bit hopeful that possibly the theater experience will just completely die because yeah. it needs to. That's the thing. I think movies actually are probably fine. It's theaters that are the problem. Yes. Uh, and I don't have an issue with those dying. Me Good. Good either. I'm I'm tired of going in there with my fellow man animals to watch whatever like tripe has caught my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, but the comic books. Their headline uh, insinuated, first of all, incorrectly, that Sonic the Hedgehog is a superhero. Not true. Sonic's not a superhero. He never was. Stop trying to make him into one. Uh, he's just a dude who goes fast and he eats chili dogs. That's all you need to know. But it made more money than any MCU movie this year because there wasn't any MCU movies this year. Like The only other things that you could really say are comic book superhero movies that came out Bloodshot. 2020 is like 
yeah, Bloodshot and Birds of Prey, and uh-huh. both of those just did not do well at all. Like Birds of Prey, partly because just nobody really wanted to go see Birds of Prey. Yeah. But then like you have the pandemic, of course, rolling through that is completely laying waste to the theater experience, as we had mentioned. So of course, if there was going to be a year where a painfully mediocre by every metric video game adaptation is going to make more money than other movies that that it could be considered a high earner it would be this year it would take a pandemic that's killed a million people to make sonic the hedgehog successful i mean i think bad boys for life is the highest grossing movie of the year right I don't actually know. I think it is. I am curious. I'm curious to find out what the highest grossing is. And, but sure, like that that sounds right for 2020. And Bloodshot, the thing with that was it came out right before everything shut down. Like it was the weekend before yeah. all theaters started closing. So, uh, RIP to that, Vin Diesel. I didn't even I didn't even realize that Bloodshot had come out until yeah. I read that. I thought that that had got pushed back because of the pandemic. I it also, completely forgot. It went to digital really fast after that too, like just a couple of weeks. So it was which one of the first what, ones. Which is what all these should be doing. Yeah. Wonder no. Woman 84. They That's... sat on that because they wanted the summer money. Yeah. <laughs> and where is Great it decision. Now? Uh God. Well, you know, Patty Jenkins uh, History of making great decisions So James Bond is Like that's now pushed (laughs) into like 2021 Even though they just release it online Man, like I don't They're so insistent on like No, we gotta sell movie theater tickets Like that's where the money is Just fucking sell it online Well, it's true though That is where the money is I I know, but they're just they've already made the investment and they're yeah. going to ruin their financials for the year, whereas they could still recoup that money by putting these movies out on digital and charging a premium for they it. They could, but at the same time, it's done, so what are they gonna do? I guess. And just sit on it. Yeah. I mean part of the part of me griping about this too though is again, I hate the movie theater. Experience. I want to watch James Bond. That too. But like the ideal method of getting new movies for me at this point in my life, pandemic or not, is to just pay the markup on it and watch it at home. I don't want to ever have to go into another movie theater ever again. I'm I'm so sick of that experience. Yep, I probably so never the, the, will. The silver lining to the pandemic is just hoping that like the movie industry is put under so much pressure that they have to make that shift sooner rather than later. But you still have a lot of major studios who are holding out on it, and the problem is. You're not going to see that shift unless more of the major studios sign on with it. So when you have stuff like James Bond and Wonder Woman and they're continuing to sit on those movies, the promise of a digital distribution future for that is more and more slim. And then that makes me a sad boy. I mean, speaking cynically, what I actually think is going to happen here is that AMC and Regal and whatever are going to go out of business, leaving the theaters empty, and then they will be bought up by the studios, who will then use it to only play movies of their own studio. Uh, Disney, Disney Uh, theaters, going to be a thing. The really shitty part about that is if that happened, there's like one theater company here. Like, we don't have a Regal or anything like that. It is just one. uh, It's Larry H. Miller company. And so... Yeah, Larry Miller's hair care products. That's right. Uh, 
he's a car salesman actually is this dude's like claim to fame and then the company branched out into other stuff and so they they have like a monopoly on theaters here so we have like seven different theaters in this town they are all larry h miller owned theaters uh so if something like that happened if larry h miller went out of business and it got bought up by disney then there would be no like sony movie theater there would be no place to get anything that isn't just disney uh-huh that would be that would actually be the worst god imagine like if, if there was no alternative where i could then just to get the movies that i wouldn't have access to online that would actually just be the worst i mean you could still get the movies online I, oh do you got a site i uh, i got a site I don't know. Do I have to get to it using an onion? You, you install an onion. Put in your okay. browser. Oh, I already got the onion on my computer. You the onion, you take a big bite of the onion. Yeah, I use it to buy some stuff on the internet. Get your Bitcoin wallet ready. Yeah, I got Bitcoin. My wallet's open. I got the Bitcoins. Anyway, uh, it's a you horrible dystopian future. You want to know where you can future. find some ketamine? <laughs> I always <laughs> want to know where I can find some ketamine. That's right. I got a ketamine guy on the internet. <laughs> Get on down the Silk Road. I don't think you can use Silk Road anymore. I'm pretty sure that's a honeypot at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. It's like the Pirate Bay. Yeah. Don't give your money to red rooms. They're all honeypots. Don't fucking do it. No one's dying on stream, you maniacs. Yeah, it's disappointing too, because look, I'm just trying to find a place where I can download all of Fernwood tonight, and I can't find that anywhere <laughs> except for one tracker on the Pirate Bay, and I don't know that I want to bother with that. You just get pulled into like an FBI office and they start grilling you about <laughs> funding a red room experience. And you're just like, I just wanted Fernwood tonight, and I just I went down. I thought the site had Fernwood, and so I gave them my bitcoins, and it was not what I was expecting. I'm just trying to watch a spoof talk show with Fred Willard. What more do you want from me? <laughs> Is it so wrong to be a fan of Martin Mull? <laughs> anyway, Larry's serving twenty to life in a supermax. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. Anyway. Yeah. At least you got that sick prison Fred Willard tat, though, on your back now. Yeah. It looks not a goddamn thing like him. <laughs> looks like that tattoo on the guy's back of Hulk Hogan with the tiny fist. That's right. Uh, news. What else it just you says got rest news? in power underneath him. <laughs> Fred Willard has a teardrop tattoo yeah. next to his eye. <laughs> Yeah, sure, he's shirtless, he's really buff, and he's flexing. Uh-huh. It says that's just how <sighs> it is on this bitch of an earth. <laughs> One more you got in news. Uh, that's all I got for news. All uh, right. Just me getting angry about movie theaters. Um, oh, cool. Fast and the Furious 11 is going to be the last Fast and the Furious. R.I.P. Yeah, speaking of death. I mean, movies, it's fine. we still got three more... Who knows the only, where they're gonna the go from here? In this, the only thing certain in this world are death and movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've not actually read up about that. I just saw that you had sent that to me. So have they explained why? Why no, stop now? I think they're just done, or will be, three movies from now. Uh, Justin Lin so is going to be sp- directing them though. So they're going to space in yeah. this one. At least so one person is. I guess where else is. is there for them to go? Well, 
I feel oh, like they... maybe this will be like the stepping stone into it, and then the next one will be full on space all the time. Vin Diesel dies in it, and so they they push Dominic out of the spaceship <laughs> in like a space coffin. Yeah, and they land on this funeral. planet. Uh huh. <laughs> and so now they got to search for Dom yeah. in the next movie because he's still alive. Right, because they launched uh, the Genesis product. Project product Pro- Pro- what is, project. What does God need with a race car? They brought Vin Diesel back to life with blast processing, is what I'm saying. I still really want there to be a bit where they put Ludacris in a. They knock him out, and he wakes up, and he's in space, and he starts flipping the fuck out. Yeah, I know I brought that up before, but like that's the thing that you do after establishing he's afraid of heights. Uh-huh. It needs to be in the movie. Be extremely disappointed if it's not. Just like remember way back when I started that campaign to get the dancing toaster put into Ghostbusters 3 yes. and then they made a new Ghostbusters and there was not a dancing toaster in it. Well, it wasn't really Ghostbusters 3 though. I think that gives it kind they of an still out. Still could have they had so many other references though. They could have put a dancing toaster in there and they didn't do it. Do you think the dancing toaster will be in Ghostbusters Afterlife, a movie that yeah. exists? Yes. Yeah, so like the kid he's finding all of like Egon's stuff you know how they they find the uh ecto one and the, and the proton packs and everything and so in that like that that storehouse with all the old ghostbusters gear is going to be the toaster and what they will do is as they're panning through it'll pan like a, a workbench will be kind of placed in the foreground while this kid is walking through and it'll like go over the goggles and like a pke meter and it'll quickly just pass by a toaster okay and that's all so. you'll get. It won't dance. It won't dance in the movie. They're not going to make it dance because the the slime isn't there anymore. They got rid of all the emotion slime, but it'll, you'll still see the toaster. They they might have the NES controller they used to control the Statue of Liberty there as well, mm. like in the background. Okay. And you might see the Statue of Liberty. Like it's just it's there in the warehouse. It's kind of like crouched down, so it'll like fit inside. Like Egon, I... I guess, just took it. Okay, I don't know it would fit in a warehouse <laughs> even if it was crouched. Well, I'm sure Egon made like a shrinking ray or something like that. He could have probably figured it out. Yeah, it's like an evil genius, like you're shrinking down the <laughs> Eiffel Tower to put it in your yeah. underground layer. That's just what Egon got into after the second movie, is he just started wanting to shrink things. Yeah. Honey, I shrunk just the like Statue that. of Liberty. Yeah. I think it's just like that guy from Herbie Birdman. You just got the shrink gun and he's going around Reducto. making everything tiny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, rest in peace, Harold Ramis. Retro Corner. Uh-huh. Uh oh, right. Uh I'm still playing scary games. So let's talk about Echo the Dolphin. A game that is mostly scary and how bad it is. I hate this video game. Yeah, me too. Larry Davis. What is your experience with Echo the Echo the Oh Jesus. Echo the Dolphin. Uh I tried to play it a lot when I was a kid and never liked it. Uh never a lot of times had problems figuring out where I was supposed to be going, what I was supposed uh-huh. to be doing. Um, yeah. And so yeah, just yeah. did did not like it. I remember thinking the Dreamcast one was okay. So, the Dolphin is uh, a game by Novo Trade. Uh, they are well known for making Echo the Dolphin, Echo the Dolphin 2, uh-huh. and they did some Jurassic Park game. 
That's mm. basically it. Novo Trade did not do a whole lot. Um, but the guy uh, who came up with the whole concept of Feather the Dolphin, uh, he had done like uh, an educational game on the PC. Uh, what was it called? It was like The Secret of Mimi or something like that. But it, it was also about like aquatic life and kind of just teaching kids about it. And so he had conceived of. Wait, this wasn't that a TV show? Like, isn't that the one like Ben I, Affleck was in? I'm not sure. Like, I know it was like an educational bit of software, too, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a TV show, like The Secret of the Mimi to... or something. That's. Yeah, you might need to look that up for me. I'm kind of going off memory from this because I remember reading up the whole story like quite a while ago about like, why did somebody make Echo the Dolphin? Because I needed to know. I played the game and I needed answers. Uh, but he had also read this book called Sounding, which is supposed to be about like the conscious thoughts of, of whales. And so he ended up developing this idea for Echo the Dolphin based on his experience uh, with Mimi and it, it developing this kind of appreciation for aquatic life and then reading this novel, which kind of gave him the concept of like, oh, well, tel telekinetic underwater life and, and what kind of story you might be able to tell with that. Uh, so he joined Sega uh, and began to work on, on a, a number of games, including a Spider-Man game. And he, first day, was pitching to his Sega executives his weird-ass dolphin game, and none of them wanted to fucking hear about it. Like, he, he kept pitching this thing to them over and over and over again and getting shot down. And then finally, at, like, a business dinner, he pitched it again, and they relented and gave him a budget to come up with a proof of concept for the game. And then this, over time, just evolved into actually making Echo the Dolphin. This is this guy's passion project, is what I am trying to get to. Uh, Voyage of the Mimi was a 13-episode American educational television program. Depicting the crew of the ship Mimi exploring the ocean, taking a sense of census of humpback whales, and yes, Ben Affleck was in it. Okay, so it wasn't uh, they didn't do any kind of like educational software for it then, right? Uh, not that I see. Okay, because my understanding was there was a, a bit of software specifically that he was working on. That was under that branding, but I've also maybe got, you worked on the show and I'm misremembering that. I've also got Nova Trades page open. They were renamed to Appaloosa Interactive. That's um, a worse name. Yeah, they they made uh, your favorite game, Colibri, for the 32X. I was going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jaws uh, I Unleashed. To talk about that in a bit. Um. Yeah, a lot a lot of fish games over there at Nova Trade. Power Rangers Jigsaw Puzzles. Uh, oh man Deep Space Nine Crossroads of Time For the Genesis I've, I've played that game It's awful I didn't even know about that Oh it's real bad Oh I'm gonna have to look that up after this I'm gonna have you, to download you play the as, ROM You play a Cisco And it's like a side scrolling thing You like Look at all these doors on the promenade Guess which one you have to go into Here's Do I couldn't get very far into it There's like uh, Yes He's at he's at the Quirks Bar. It's in there. You meet Kira. They're all in there. Um, but I could not figure out what to do at one part where you're supposed to be moving these platforms around, and I was like, this is not good enough for me to right, continue that, <laughs> trying to play. That it sounds like a Novo Trade game to me. Not yep. knowing what to do. Yep. Yeah. So, but Cisco has a real good jump. You just run and jump, and you like legs akimbo. 
role captain I'm still going to need to, like, yeah, I'm going to need to still check this out, just play a few minutes of it to kind of get a concept of it. But... Yeah. Yeah, uh, Echo the Dolphin was this guy's passion project. Like, this is the story he wanted to tell and the game he wanted to make. And it's, to be fair, a very interesting concept for a story, I think, uh, as far as the concept for the game, which is largely built around just kind of exploring these deep-sea caverns and basically just trying to find the level exit. Like, serviceable idea but like in execution it's really frustrating because everything kind of looks the same and the levels are labyrinthian and the music basically just sounds like an audible version of Ambien uh huh honestly I would say music's like the best part about Echo I hate the music really I really don't like it yeah it sounds like something that you would hear on like a early 90s like training tape at your sure. new job it's got a bit of an Inya vibe to it yeah uh, I'm I'm not a fan uh, and this is coming from someone who liked the music in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze so oh great soundtrack uh huh um <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it's not a good soundtrack um, yes it is it's not a good soundtrack it's very dull dumbass um, <laughs> there's a very calming vibe to Echo the Dolphin and in a, in a way I appreciate it for that vibe because there really just was nothing else like that at the time but it also just kind of puts my brain to sleep while I'm playing it which is not necessarily good for a game that is largely based off of getting to the end of a maze so yeah. there is just a very slow pace to Echo that just wears very thin for me while I'm playing it and then the actual like frustrating elements of the game is just the way that it controls because of course it's all underwater controls you're trying to move a fish they're trying to emulate the movement of the fish it's all very clumsy it doesn't feel very good the hit detection is wonky so there's a lot of times where you just take damage where you really probably shouldn't take damage but do damage instead Uh, there's a lot of weird jumps you got to make to get out of the water that just they're really hard to hit and time correctly to like get the speed and the angle the way that it needs to be to progress uh, the checkpointing in the game is also fucking trash. There's not enough of them, uh, especially the final level where it is an auto-scroller and there are zero checkpoints in that thing and it goes on forever. And hey, there's just a lot of crap in that level that kills you quick, immediately. Quick quick aside, what do you think EGM gave Deep Space Nine Crossroads of Time? Oh, I thought it was going to be Echo. If it was Echo, I would say like an 8 out of 10, but Deep Space Nine, probably a 9 out of 10, for for it being Deep Space Nine. 7 out of 10, in fact. However... 7, 8, 9. Yeah. Uh, Next Generation, (laughs) uh, oddly enough, gave it a 1 out of 5 for the Genesis version. (laughs) And the SNES one, they were a little more generous, giving it a 2 out of 5. Uh, card is unimpressed and, and in this the, Genesis game. Yeah. And the Wikipedia article includes a quote. It says, Next Generation reviewed the Genesis version of the game and stated that this game is boring and will only be of minor interest to Deep Space Nine freaks. <laughs> Sounds like something I would write. Okay. Oh, Echo the Dolphin. Very pertinent, pertinent to us. Yeah. Th- so there's just like a lot of the way that Echo the Dolphin is structured is 
kind of frustrating in the way that it controls and the way that it checkpoints things. And then it's also just very dull in the kind of tone and atmosphere that it sets, uh, which is a very bad combination for getting me interested in playing a video game and like keeping me engaged with it. I beat the game regardless. Uh, I do think that there are very interesting things in Echo. I think the twist about there being time travel, uh, the whole Atlantean culture, and then the alien reveal at the end of the game is super neat. Yeah. But it is kind of wasted in a game that completely fumbles its execution. Yep. Uh, the most enjoyment I had playing Echo was uh, shooting up out of the water and doing flips. Yeah. Uh, which you basically have to do it. because you also have an oxygen meter. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer as well. Not, I mean, not a fan of. Yeah, dolphins got to breathe. Makes, it makes sense. It it makes sense. I get it, but also like, I don't like water levels in games. And yeah, so continuing too. to put like very traditional water level mechanics and just making a whole game around that is not really my idea of a good time. And it turns out it's not a good time because Echo the Dolphin is not a very good video game. Uh, they made sequels to it. They did the Tides of Time, uh, which I originally had on the list. It is a much longer game, and I decided that's too much Echo the Dolphin. Oh. Uh, although, of note, when they did the Sega CD version of the Tides of Time, they did CG cutscenes uh, that recap the original, like the plot of the first Echo the Dolphin. The company that they had, uh, that they had contracted out to do this. Is the same company that did the CGI in the Lawnmower Man movie. Ooh. Uh, which is a big favorite of mine. Oh, yeah. I love that Lawnmower Man. <laughs> it is terrible in every way that an early 90s CG movie should be. Uh, Not enough not lawn mowing in CG, it, also. But... Are you familiar with like the actual original short story of yeah. Lawnmower Man? Okay. I really like how the Lawnmower Man movie has absolutely nothing to do with that. Nope. I don't know how they could make a movie, for that matter, around <laughs> the original Lawnmower Man story. Yeah, and I also liked how the Super Nintendo game of Lawnmower Man like featured the weird CGI guy on the box yeah. art, because it's yeah. just like this. There's this a... what you put on the box, I guess. Not Pierce Brosnan having version. cyber sex. Ooh, there's this put in the all bonds code and watch Timothy Dalton have cyber sex. Ooh. Yeah, um, there was a Sega CD version of that too, wasn't there? I think so. Lawnmower Man? Okay. The, the, I want to say that's the one that I'm familiar with. I remember, like, my first experience with Lawnmower Man was I had a friend who had a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo, and I hung out at his house a lot because he lived next door, and I, he had a Sega CD, and I'm pretty sure he had Lawnmower Man for it, so that was, like, my first Lawnmower Man experience. And then later on in life, finding out what the Lawnmower Man movie really was, and boy, it's great. <laughs> Yeah. God damn, what a thing that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for people who don't know, the original short story is basically about like guy it's hires a, it's a like a human sacrifice or something, right? All I remember is the guy gets naked and basically crawls around the other dude's yard and eats all of the grass. Yeah. But and then it's he like, like I want to say breaks into the guy's home at the end of it, and then there is some sort of human sacrifice thing involved. But it's been like quite a while since I read up about it. Yeah, it's so the no, it's be, yeah, because the whole eating grass thing is like the whole it's supposed to be like a goat, right? 
So it's like Baphomet sure. type stuff. Yeah. I... Yeah. Anyway, then the movie was about like cyberspace <laughs> stuff. Yeah. The movie was just all about VR. Yeah. Uh, you download the Kermit avatar and then you become God in cyberspace. No one knows what you're talking about. You keep mentioning that. <laughs> I play VR chat a lot. My entire catalog of avatars is just different types of Kermit the Frogs. That's right. all I do. I, I have a drink on the weekends and I log into VR and I assume the form of a Kermit. And, Choose the uh, form of your destroyer. That's, that's right. I have a Kermit that is just like a, a spider with like eight different little Kermit legs. He just scurries around all over the place. Uh, but it retains all the animations that are like default in avatars, like backflips and stuff, but it doesn't actually animate them properly. So like Kermit's head will elongate from his body and then rotate around his entire body and like clip through it and it looks fucking horrifying. It's really good. Just scurrying up to somebody and then doing that and scaring the shit out of them. <laughs> VR chat is great. I have a Kylo Ren Kermit avatar. <laughs> yes, the thick torso. Yes, he doesn't. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's just like the wide, buff torsoed Kylo Ren, but as right. Kermit. Uh, I have a succubus Kermit. It's not appropriate for work or really <laughs> anything. <laughs> VR chat is VR chat is worth owning a VR headset for. Uh, that is a solidly built experience. It's better than anything else I've played in VR. Anyway, I am God here, says Kermit the Frog. Um, yeah, uh, like Echo the Dolphin, um, it was also supposed to be a trilogy. They only ever, like, they did the Dreamcast game, but I think it doesn't actually, like, tie into the story that they were trying to tell, because the second game ends on a cliffhanger, and from what I understand, they never actually resolved that. Uh, but, you know, I never played the second game, so what do I care? Uh, Echo the Dolphin, I give it, um, my score would be a beached whale. It kind of ruins your whole summer when you see it, and then you have to do a lot of explaining to your kid. Yeah, and then you have to explode it. That's the only way to get I mean, rid of a beach kinda, whale. That part's kind of dope. Pull the golf ball out of a whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to think of like how to tie this into the marine biologist bit from Seinfeld, and I couldn't come up with anything. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I would give Echo uh, out of ten, probably a Two, yeah, a roughly equal to like... Deep Space Nine, Crossroads of Time. <laughs> it's only good for Echo freaks. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember like what my experience with it really was as a kid. I think I just kind of like rented it a few times just as a curiosity. Like I wanted to figure out Echo the Dolphin, and I never could. And so part of me wanting to kind of come back to it was to just see what the rest of Echo the Dolphin was, because I did like eventually hear like it got into weird time travel and alien shit. Uh, which kind of blew my mind because I just thought it was a fun game about a dolphin. Uh, mm -hmm. It turns out it's a bad game about a dolphin, and also there's aliens. Yeah. I also played Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Played the TurboGrafx 16 version of Splatterhouse, the original Splatterhouse. I've not played two, I've not played three. I haven't played uh, one Paku Graffiti. No, I haven't. I should. probably should because the first Splatterhouse is a pretty solid game. Yeah, it's two's a little also better. Yeah, it, it, so obviously it being the first, they're still kind of trying to figure out what Splatterhouse is going to be. 
uh, obviously that series has kind of evolved over time. Like even just visually, you start out, he just looks like Jason. And then eventually they made that mask look like more of a skull mm-hmm. as time went on. Cause they realized that maybe that was litigious. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the game. That's maybe litigious yeah. though. Uh, but like I said, I played the TurboGrafx-16 version of it. I could not remember why I wanted to play that specific version of the game, though. I think it was that I was just sold on it was the best home release of Splatterhouse, although I really should have just played the arcade version of the game. Yeah. Because uh, in the arcade version, when you kill the womb boss, embryonic fluid comes rushing out of it, and that sounds disgusting. I was trying to see... Um... What the dates were Like if the TurboGrafx one came out before Genesis uh, TurboGrafx version came out April 1990 Yeah April Wait, April 21st 1990 Oh, this, uh, I don't This didn't come out on Genesis I guess No Maybe I think two like did. 2 Was okay. ported to the Genesis but they didn't port 1 Okay um, Yeah That would explain why I never oh. played it back then but yeah, it's a it's a it's a beat 'em up game. Although you do not have access to kind of like upper and lower planes, it's just you're you're walking straight left to right, and you're just bonking enemies as they come up to you. You have different weapons you can pick up: meat cleavers, sticks, knives, and there's also like platforming elements. You have to jump over some holes. I want to say that like some of the holes, if you drop into it, it takes you to like lower areas of the level. Sometimes they just kill you. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a certain kind of like not only first game in the series jank, but just hey, this is sort of an early Turbo Graphics game jank. I'm looking uh, at the list of edits for the Turbo Graphics yeah, version. Yeah, I wanted to get into that. You should have played the arcade one. <laughs> I this is so I read this earlier today, and this is what was making me realize oh, I made a mistake, and I should have played the arcade version of the game. Um, there's some stuff like them kind of toning down the different weapons that you could find. So I mentioned meat cleavers. Those are more common in the arcade version. In the Turbo Graphics version, you only find one of them in one level. Hmm. Uh, the crawling hand in stage five yeah. does not flash the middle finger at you. That was the, the thing Graphics I looked at. <laughs> and I was like, that's yeah. what you want. The other yes, stuff, like, is. eh, whatever. But yeah, it's it's pretty much that and the uh, quote graphic spilling of embryonic fluids mm-hmm. uh, into a generic fiery explosion. That is kind of a bummer about the Turbo Graphics conversion of the game. Uh, yeah, Splatterhouse, like regardless of them kind of toning down some stuff like that, really gross. Yeah, but detailed, just gross graphic depictions of some nasty shit going on in that game. Like, there's still a womb boss in the game, even if it doesn't spill embryonic fluid. It's still nasty as hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it is kind of fascinating that at that point in time, kind of just where video games were at. So, like, it even mentions in that list them censoring, like, crosses showing up. Had to take that out of the game. But, like, all the other shit that got left in there is vile in a way that is kind of awesome. Like, it, it definitely leans into the sort of, like, slasher aesthetic of just, hey, we're going to try to gross people out with a bunch of gore. And it's great. It's a good game. Mm-hmm. Well, the first one does would... not have the slide kick, right? Oh, I don't remember. It's actually been quite a while since I said that. Because I remember that being the main improvement in 2, is that you got a slide kick. Yeah, I think I you can think kind of just use that through the whole too. game. 
Uh, I do also like, by the way, that uh, the monster that is getting revived in the game is named Hell Chaos. That's pretty good. That is one of the all-time great, like, final boss names. Mm. I love it. Splatterhouse is a... I would rate it uh, on the scale of Friday the 13th movies. I think it would be Friday the 13th 3. Okay. It's the one it's the one everyone remembers that established a lot of what the franchise would be, but right. it is certainly not the best in the series. There are are better Friday the 13th just as there is better Splatterhouse games. What's the best Friday the 13th? Jason goes to hell. Takes Manhattan. Uh H2O. <laughs> no, that's uh, one of the worst. Um that's Halloween also. <laughs> Uh, well, same difference. They're <laughs> virtually the same franchise. It's just a serial killer in a mask. He's trying to kill some girl. Eh, you know, whatever. Uh, like, actually, kind of honestly, Halloween <laughs> is a pretty blatant ripoff. Uh, uh, Halloween came, came first. Friday the... Oh, it came first? Yes. I thought it was Friday the 13th that established, like, the slasher. No, Halloween came out in the 70s, man. Come on. Oh, God. Johnny right. Carpenter. An original. I'm trying yeah. to say he ripped off Friday the 13th. The first one, uh, Halloween was like 77 or 78. I have not seen any of the Halloween movies. First one's great. I've not seen it. Uh, the only thing I really know about it, other than like Jamie Lee Curtis is there, there's some psychiatrist. Donald uh, Pleasant's brother is the, is the killer. Um, I, I know that like they wanted it to be an anthology thing. So yep. like the second movie has nothing to do with the first one. Yep. Two also and great. People hated that. So I've heard, but like I remember reading that like at the time people did not like two, and that's what made them shift back over to Mike My Michael oh, yeah. Myers. Yeah, people wanted yeah. more Mike Myers action. They wanted him to come out and say groovy baby. <laughs> Shagadelic baby. That's right. He's stabbing a girl in the back of the head. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um I've also not really seen many of the Friday the 13th movies. I think I've seen three, and that's been about it, actually. Okay. So they kind of just they blur together well, like, at a certain point, especially when you get into the weird, like, it's no longer just part one, part two, part three, and it's they're naming it all kinds of weird, dumb shit. And at that point, everything just kind of blends together. But neither of those franchises are as good as Nightmares on Elm Street anyway, so... No, it, definitely not. It's kind of pointless... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is is great for just how fucking surreal it is. Like uh, compared uh, to those other slasher movies, where it's just Murder Man is in the house. Like Murder Man, you're Friday not in the, the house. <laughs> Dream Warriors is a fantastic movie. They learn to fight back in their dreams. It is trippy as shit, and I love it. Uh huh. And they got that great song that is super good. Yeah, from <laughs> Dawkins in the movie. Rockin' yeah. with Dawkins, baby. Yeah. Although, uh, didn't like Slash have a song for Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, probably. Or no, is I, I think it was Alice Cooper had a song. Oh, maybe. Are you just thinking of Welcome to My Nightmare? Maybe I am. You might be. Yeah, I feel like I that know. that could be something where he like made a new version of it for Nightmare on Elm Street, kind of like Nick Cave making the new version of Red Right Hand for Scream. Look, if it's not Leprechaun, Nightmare on Elm Street, or Gremlins, or Child's Play, then I'm pretty unfamiliar with it as a horror franchise. Okay. 
Evil Dead. I'll just admit that straight up. Well, yeah, I, okay, I know Evil Dead as well. Uh, except for the first movie, which I saw once. Uh, don't Not think it's great. very good. No. I mean, that's why they made Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, basically just the first movie over again, but more unique and interesting and fun. Yeah. Uh, and then they yeah, remade I, the first I'm... one again, but this time with no joy in it whatsoever. Uh, yeah. Well, you have Bruce Campbell in the credits saying Ruby, don't you? Or like that's a post-credits thing that yeah, they did. Yeah, that's a post-credits like, thing, okay, and that's well, it. You can barely yeah, even great. see him because it looks like yeah. crap like the rest of that movie. Now, I, I will freely admit I don't know pretty much jack crap about Friday the 13th or Halloween, so I apologize for getting uh, H2O misassigned of Friday the 13th. I just... I plain don't know. Well, here, here's a hint. Uh, it's called H2O because it's the 20th Halloween, the anniversary 20, of yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Now I get it now that I got called on it. Okay. I wish Jamie Lee Curtis would shoot me. You didn't see that new Halloween? Uh, no. Where they brought Jamie Lee back, written by Danny McBride? Uh, no, no. That, there were two of so those. Was a... But there's okay, another new they Halloween. made another new one. Okay, yes. is the other new one they made connected to the Rob Zombie ones? No. Is it the same continuity? It's the same continuity continuity as the first one. I think it's basically like the new Terminator, where they ignore the other okay. sequels. But didn't people like the Rob Zombie ones? Or were those I, like reviled? I think people liked the first one, and then the second was real bad. I don't know. I never okay. watched those. Because like. The, I know they got way into the origin of Michael Myers, like maybe too much. Is the general consensus on Rob Zombie as a director that he generally makes good movies? I don't know. I think it was at a time. Now I'm not so sure, because I feel like he's put out a bunch of flops recently. I liked House of a Thousand Corpses um, and Devil's Rejects, and then after that, I don't know. Like he made another sequel to Devil's Rejects. I forget what that that one was called. Well, he also made Dracula, so all sins are forgiven. Exactly. Past, present, and future. It was in Jet Set yeah. Radio. That's how good it was. It was also yep. in Twisted Metal Three. They wouldn't put bad music into Jet Set Radio. Come on. Twisted Metal Four. Well, he, Rob Zombie himself yeah, is in Twisted Metal though. Four. I know that. Dracula Dracula showed up in a few video games yeah. around that period of time. So it it wasn't just a uniquely jet set radio problem. When when they did that reboot of Twisted Metal for PS3, uh they still put Dracula in it, which I appreciated. Should have put, put Dracula in the Tony Hawk remix. Yeah. Sure. This potential. Yeah. yeah. I legitimately like Dracula. Yeah, me too. It is such a dumb song. Yeah. The music video is great. It's just Rob Zombie and like the yeah. devil and a car, and they're just having a fucking good time, man. Yeah, it's got every just filter they could find in Windows Movie Maker playing yes. over it. Yes, it does. A bunch of old just stock footage of like atomic bombs going off <laughs> and like speed sped up footage of like kids in an old timey school and it's all in black and white like that's the whole music video well, it's not fantastic. black and white though that's what i'm saying like it's got those weird color filters all over everything oh yeah so yeah, it just looks yeah. garish and horrible like a joel schumacher movie or something but like one of the good ones man yeah like batman forever uh, <laughs> no 
Batman what, Forever is boring. What are you gonna say? It's it looks like falling down because it doesn't. No, 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 no. I'm saying Batman and Robin is a more watchable movie than Batman Forever. Disagree. Well, we could we could get into this, but perhaps we're better served moving on to the last game. There's another one. Which is that's right. I have a surprise one for you. Great. Pulling it out of my ass at the eleventh hour because we played another version of well, I played another version of it uh, not but a week ago. Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Okay. Yeah. So we on uh, failure to launch. Uh, part of why I wanted to bring up is mention this on the podcast, make people more aware of it. Every uh, Friday in the morning, uh, you and me were kind of taking a look at the launch lineups for every video game console. Uh, yes. Starting with the NES, I'm not doing the 2600. That shit is unplayable. Yeah, I, I will play 3DO launch games before I touch anything on the 2600. Uh, but we've already started this. We've done three episodes. Um, and regrettably, there was some audio mixing issues on the second one, uh, so I apologize that that is uh, the VOD of that is not that great. But the first and second one, much more watchable. Uh, we will this week, the day after this podcast comes out, we'll be taking a look at the Atari Lynx and the Turbo Graphics 16, uh, also brought up on this podcast. Uh, but the week prior, uh, one of the launch games for the Sega Genesis that we looked at was Ghouls and Ghosts, which was coded by Yuji Naka, uh, who, you know, uh, of course went on to make Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, among other great beloved video games. I mean, that's the one he's best known for. Yeah, uh, but I think we were mistaken because we had mentioned that that version of Ghouls and Ghosts is easier than the Super Nintendo version of the game. And when I decided to go back and look up information about Ghouls and Ghosts before doing this podcast, a pretty common thread I found was that the Genesis version is, in fact, much more difficult than the Super Nintendo version. Huh. Like, just from watching you play it, it seemed easier. Well, that's just because I'm a pro gamer. <laughs> yeah. That's why you just, ran you know, out of lives on the first stage. Yeah, so, you know, why I died immediately, like, two times in a row when I started up Mario Land. Uh, yeah, that that was also good. <laughs> I mean, that you can kind of just blame on the game being crap. But I'm such a good gamer, I picked up Choplifter and just spent two minutes going, what the fuck is this? And then I shut it off. Um... <laughs> So, like, I guess the hitbox in that game is very wide, so you kind of just get pelted by stuff that really honestly shouldn't be causing you damage, and the respawns for the enemies basically is as soon as you leave the screen and you go back there, back there again. So you really yeah. don't have much wiggle room because screens can get very dense with enemies anyway, and so if you kind of need to go backwards to avoid an attack, you're just inviting yourself to get attacked by an enemy you had previously defeated just seconds ago. That's um, That's kind of standard for games at the time though like Mega Man does the exact same thing it very much is because again this is a launch game for the Sega Genesis and so it is it's still going off of like 8-bit video game logic yeah uh, whereas the Super Nintendo version I want to say came out I want to say it was still like kind of an early SNES game because I remember looking like for what it was released around it looks really really good yeah, it has the terrain deformation uh, thing, which completely tanks the frame rate. God, yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, but 
like even an early SNES game was still coming out quite a bit after like the Sega Genesis was released. So there was still enough of like a span of time there to kind of figure out what gaming in 16 bits was going to be. Um, so it is not really going off the same logic that I think the Genesis version is, of Ghouls and Ghosts is, but it's still fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like that first level, the terrain deformation, deformation that you mentioned is specifically so an enemy that is just like a, a skull on wheels can like slide down and just kind of hit you like right after you think you're safe. So you have to be prepared to jump. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the way that game structures its difficulty is through rote memorization. So you know to jump at a certain time because that enemy is always going to be there. It's very much like, it's not even like pattern-based necessarily. It is just understanding the way that the level flows precisely. Uh, a good example of that is in the first level, there's a tidal wave that knocks out portions of the level. And the first time it comes crashing down, there's only three platforms available that if you stand on, you won't immediately die. And so odds are the first time you get hit by that wave, you're going to die. And the way that you know not to die next time is by understanding where the wave fell. And the difficulty of the game throughout is pretty much that. Yep. Um, the jump in that game is also very stiff. It's a very Castlevania-esque jump. You yep, need to no air to control. It. None at all. Uh, you have double jump in the game, which you absolutely need to use. A lot of the platforming is built around it. So not only do you have to commit to the first jump, you have to commit to the double jump. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, you also get, like, armor upgrades in the game. Uh, so you go from, like, your standard knight armor, you get a green armor, then you get a gold armor. And you get the upgrades depending on whether or not you held the previous armor. And each armor upgrade augments the weapon that you're holding sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. So there are certain weapons like the axe that if you upgrade to like the gold armor version of the axe, it's basically useless. It's always so that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's great. And and yet, despite all of these flaws, I love the shit out of Super Ghouls and Ghosts. The, the frame rate is garbage. The, the difficulty is objectively bullshit. The weapon like not even having any consistency and the weapons getting progressively better is some real garbage but i still like it there is something very endearing about that game to me the fact that you get to the end of the game and they're like <laughs> guess what arthur go back to level one and beat the whole thing over again because you need a key in an earlier level that did not previously exist there and this is the only way to get the ending that is some trash that is real rotten and I love it because it just made me play more Super super Ghouls and Ghosts. I got to the end of the game and they were just like, you beat the whole thing over again. I was like, yeah, great. I had so much fun the first time. So let's, like, let's fucking do this. What's wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've wondered that for quite a while. I honestly think it is because there is a lot of just kind of the stiffness and the very committal nature of of movement and jumping and platforming in that game that reminds me of Castlevania, which I like a whole lot. And so there's something about that specific type of rigidity that really appeals to me. And there is something about that kind of difficulty where the first time through, you die to it, but now you know it is going to be there every time, so you know what to do. 
So you go back and you replay the game and you suddenly you just feel like you're a pro at it because everything's just lining up the exact way that you need it to. Right. That just like, like makes me feel really good. It's like you're Neo seeing the code. Exact yes. Uh-huh. King Arthur just fucking flies at the screen at the end of the game. Well, he's not King mode, Arthur. Mode seven. He's just yeah, Arthur. Just, okay, regular Arthur. Just Arthur. Um Dude Arthur. Yeah. Arthur Maximo. Yeah. I actually don't Maximo's know. Maximo's a different character. character. Maximo. Okay. Yeah. I've never played Maximo, so um, Okay. Both of them. Yeah, Second like I, I honestly think the biggest uh mark against Ghouls and Ghosts is just that the frame rate is is very, very bad in that game. It's doing a lot of really interesting stuff on the SNES at that point in time, but because of that it ends up uh just running bad. So that's a bummer. Yeah, man. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Take the good, uh, you take the play bad. Play the game. Take them both, and there row. you have ghouls and ghosts. Yeah. Anyway, if I had to give ghouls and ghosts a rating, uh, it is a solid gold armor. To to clarify, this is super ghouls and ghosts. This is super ghouls and ghosts. I have okay. not played. I've not even completed the first level of the Genesis version of just ghouls and ghosts. Okay, or ghosts and goblins for the NES. I've never played Ghosts and Goblins. I really have no desire to play Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of that game. Just a worse version. Um, yeah. The PSP uh, remake I, of Ghosts and Goblins, I liked a whole lot. That was the one I sure, played the most I mean, of. Yeah, it's a full-on remake. So, yep. like, I get that. Um, because kind of the, the thing with Super Ghouls and Ghosts is the fact that that exists gives you no reason to go back and play the NES version of Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. So, you know. Although... I like the name Ghosts and Goblins way more than Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, that is a pretty good name. I think I'm with you on that. Anytime you put Goblin uh, in a game title, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, my rating is a solid gold armor, but I would throw in the axe upgrade for the gold armor because it's not really that good, and I think that that perfectly signifies the fact that, you know, this is a game that is on the verge of greatness, it's on the verge of perfection, but it's just held back at that little, little bit by some uh, technical issues that unfortunately plague a lot of the game. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if the 360 Splatter House is backwards compatible on Xbox mm. One X series. Probably not. I'm going to guess not. Was the 360 Splatter House good? I've no. not played that. Okay. It was real bad. It was also I mean, trying really hard to be edgy. Like it had like oh. you you can get these sexy photos of your girlfriend and all of this stuff, which is terrible. Uh, the, the like the best part about it was that the main character would like he would take visible damage. It was almost sort of like the Wolverine game that came out for the movie, oh. except yeah. not not to that level of detail. It was more just like set chunks would like come off of them and stuff, but it looked neat. But yeah, it, it was bad. But for that some reason, Wolverine I want to play it. That Wolverine game was pretty impressive with that, yeah. and it honestly, like, I really would like to see them try that again on like modern hardware. Yeah, yeah, that game was good uh, for a while, <laughs> and then I think uh, development issues sort of rear their head. It's it's funny because you can see it progressively get worse throughout the game. Like at the last <laughs> levels of it are the ones that are most tied into the movie, and they were a mess. <laughs> Like it just like they made the game in a linear fashion yeah. is what you're saying well i yeah. think it was 
mostly unrelated to the movie until they decided they had to tie it in or something. I'm not sure, but because like characters from the movie only start showing up near the end and like taboo shows up in one of the last levels and the blob, I believe. Um, and that part is awful. I've seen the Wolverine origins movie and it is spectacularly bad. I have not actually watched the movie. Oh God. It is. Honestly, it's the Batman and Robin of mm. of X-Men movies. It is it is kind of bad in a way that is completely ridiculous. There's a lot of just cool guy walks away from an explosion. Isn't that things going on in that movie? I think X-Men 3 is more of the Batman and Robin of the franchise. See, I think it's more of a, the Batman Forever because it's just very dull. That's what I would guess Whereas Origins would Wolverine, be. Wolverine, no. Wolverine Origins is bad in a way that is kind of amazing it is extremely watchable and how consistently tops itself in being garishly terrible okay he sees the blob and i want to say that he has a line where he's like what are you some kind of blob (laughs) are we some kind of suicide squad (laughs) that's right I might be misremembering that, but I want to say that's the way that goes down. And then, of course, you got all the, you know, very famously Deadpool has his mouth stitched shut and yeah. looks not a damn thing like Deadpool. Um, but also, you got Gambit in that movie, and he's terrible. In it. Yes, okay, good. I, I was going to say I think Gambit shows up at the end of the game also in that part with Taboo, and but I wasn't sure if I was just hallucinating that because of all those rumors about the Channing Tatum uh, Gambit movie that is never going to happen. No. Uh, but yeah, okay, good. He was in that, so yeah, he he does show yes. up in the game also. He plays a pretty significant role towards the end of the Wolverine movie. Because <sighs> uh, I think that there was a bit, there's a bit at the end too where you know obviously all this crazy stuff happens to Wolverine, and so they need to explain why he doesn't have any memory of it come time for the first X-Men movie. So he gets like amnesia and then, you know, Gambit shows up and he's like, hey, it's me, your pal Gambit. And Wolverine's just like, who? And then Gambit's just like, whoa, do you got amnesia? Anyway, the movie needs to end now. Here's the credits. Yeah. He gets like shot in the head with an adamantium bullet. I think yes. that's what gives him amnesia. Yes, yeah. I know that. Um, but yeah, the game... Uh... <laughs> Striker hits him in the head with a coconut. <laughs> then Wolverine forgets all the events of the movie It's also, like it never happened Also part of the problem with the uh, the Wolverine game Was that it starts Giving you enemies that you like, Have to fight In certain ways Which is not that fun It's mm-hmm. most fun when it's just like giving you a bunch of fodder guys That you can just slice your way through with No thought whatsoever Like it's a Dynasty Warriors game When it brings yeah. in like robots And things that you have to do a jump attack on And take their armor off or whatever It's like eh that, That's when it starts Wolverine, going downhill Yeah a Wolverine game should make you feel As powerful as you do in like a Muso Yeah Like oh, you man, should get like... torn to shreds And have it not matter that much You should look like complete shit But still be able to just like decimate Hordes of enemies Yeah like man if they just made an X-Men Muso game it's like Wolverine, yeah. Cyclops, Magneto. It'd be pretty good. Yeah, they'll Storm. never do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, got that Persona one coming yeah, especially, out. Yeah, someday. I was gonna say, especially now that like, pretty much, if you're doing a Muso game based on a franchise, it's some kind of anime. Yeah, uh, which X Men, not anime. 
I mean, kind of is, but also it's not. There was that X-Men manga. That was pretty good. Yeah, there's also like a Star Wars manga. They're making another Star Wars manga. Sure. About Princess Leia. So, So why not? Anyway, that's it for this week. Yep. Uh, I mean, we'll be back tomorrow on the YouTube channel, Destroy All Children. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. Rather, (laughs) Twitch.tv, Atomic Old Man. Uh, at uh, what would be an Eastern time when we start at 10 a.m. Mountain time? That would be noon. Uh, noon. Okay. So noon Eastern time. Uh, Twitch.tv, Atomic Old Man, again, playing Atari Lynx launch games and TurboGrafx 16 launch games. That will be archived on that YouTube channel that I mentioned. But if you want to watch live and join us in the chat, then uh, that is where you want to go, the Twitch page. So. Like I said, every Friday, at least up until the launch of these new consoles. I don't know if we do it consistently every Friday after that. Well, by then we would probably be reaching the point where it gets harder to do also. Yeah, so there's going to be some point where we hit game consoles that cannot reliably be emulated. Uh, you know, stuff like PlayStation 3. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, 360 definitely. PlayStation 3, I'm, I'd actually have to check and see whether or not the launch games for that run well in emulation now. Uh, but I also would not bet on it. Yeah. Um, Sega Saturn might be weird just because the way emulation is on that system. So at some point we're going to have to figure out possibly just you know talking over footage that we've collected of some of these games and, and kind of discussing it that way. But we'll do something even for the systems that we can't emulate games off of yeah in some fashion i kind of think we should just uh even though it wouldn't technically be launch stuff uh, for 360 and ps3 that we should just talk over the e3 conferences that actually might be a good backdrop for discussing the launch of those consoles actually i don't know because I also would love to talk about those E3s in particular, because I think that is when E3 was at its most absolutely goddamn insane. Yeah, that the problem there is that a lot of stuff they showed at those E3s would not come out. No, but you can still talk about the launch. Dude, especially with the PlayStation 3, there was so much of that where Kaz just comes out and he's like, let's take a look at the numbers. Yeah, So here's some there's... graphs. Yeah, there is. There's plenty of time to talk about. Uh, oh, what was that game where you needed this, uh, the six axis to control movement? Lair. Lair, yeah. Talk about Lair while Kaz goes on about numbers. Ah, Heavenly Sword, man. That game looked good and was two hours long. Yep, Andy Circus was in it. <laughs> That's right. Ninja Theory has come a long way. Yes, it has. Uh, but. Until next week, hopefully there's more news that isn't, you know, famous Japanese composers totally outing themselves as pedophiles on the internet or Sonic the Hedgehog bullshit. Pedophilia. Goodbye, Nancy.
pedophilia. 